let's talk science. From the University of Groningen, this is MindWise podcast, hosted and brought to you by psychology students. Hello everybody, my name is Marcella and today with Leo we'll be talking to Martin Dirksen about social constructionism in the context of our controversies in psychology course. I think to get a good start on the topic it would be good to get in the beginning a small, concise, if that's possible, definition of what social constructionism is. <laughs> social constructionism is very difficult to teach about, particularly in, in one lecture. Um, because there are many varieties of, of social constructionism. Um, there are many points of view, many arguments within social constructionism. So it's, it's very, very difficult to say something in, in, in general about social constructionism or even to define it succinctly. One starting point would be uh, Gergen's definition. We discussed the paper by Ken Gergen in the lecture and that starting point would be that what we uh, hold to be true of the world, uh, including ourselves, is the result of people in relationships. That's how he formulates it. Um, social processes, processes of, of negotiation, of uh, rhetoric, of uh, yeah, people talking with each other, people acting uh, with each other, collaborating, fighting with each other. All these social processes determine what we hold to be true of the world. How do you think, if possible, social constructionism would be applied in hard sciences? Well, first of all, I don't like the term hard sciences because it implies a, a very simplistic distinction between the hard sciences and the soft sciences, I suppose and a, a distinction that implies that the the first group is, is are the real sciences and then the second group are sort of uh, pseudo or quasi or not quite sciences and it also implies that all these hard sciences are sort of essentially the same and all these soft sciences are, are also essentially the same but different from the hard sciences and i think that's uh, misleading and and not very very helpful but it is true um, that in a social constructionist perspective there is a difference between a field like psychology which studies people and their relationships and, and their behavior and a field like uh, chemistry and a social constructionist would say yes there are processes of social construction in chemistry as well as in psychology but the difference would be that ordinary people are also involved in processes of social construction whereas the object of study of chemistry like molecules are not involved in processes of social construction so to a social constructionist uh, there is that difference between disciplines that study human behavior and human relationships and 
disciplines that study natural objects. So one thing about social constructionism that makes it very difficult to teach about is that there are so many senses of social construction and uh, different versions. I just wanted to point out one version that is very straightforward and that is relatively uncontroversial uh, and that connects to the first lecture about replication which is the following. You remember the problem that I pointed out in that lecture is that if somebody replicates an earlier study, does the, follows the same procedure, just the same experiment, it's direct replication, and something different comes out. Then the first idea would be, well, uh, the theory has been falsified. But Popper himself realized that that isn't automatically the case, because you would want to replicate that replication itself. And then there are a number of questions that you that always come up in these cases. So one, one question is, how many of these replications does it take before you actually say, okay, that theory is just not true? Another question that we discussed uh, that first lecture is, how do we decide that that replicating researcher uh, has the, the, the proper expertise? How do we decide that the experiment was conducted in the right way? And then in a wider sense, there are uh, even questions like, why is this really a worthwhile experiment to replicate? Is it worthwhile to test this theory? Or even uh, is this theory itself interesting enough? And in all these questions, you need to take a decision. The community of psychologists will have to decide on all these matters. There was a claim in Gergen's paper. He says, the demarcation, if any, between science and non-science must be carefully examined. What does he mean by that? Does he mean that we should lay off our, our rigorous methods, or does it mean that...? No. First, I think he means exactly what it says. Uh, um, that, that distinction should be uh, an object of study itself. Uh-huh. So this, in fact, was the, the topic of my own PhD research, was how do psychologists demarcate their own discipline, and how do they convince people outside that boundary mm-hmm. that this is good, mm-hmm. that uh, you know, psychology is different from common sense, and that, they, that psychologists have well, what is called cognitive authority on matters of psychology. Mm-hmm. psychology. So that if you want to know how you should uh, lead your organization or, or raise your children, then the best thing to do would be to ask a psychologist. But doesn't he mean the opposite here? Doesn't he imply the opposite? Because uh, to me it sounds very sarcastic or even skeptical, the demarcation between science and non-science, if any. Right, the if any bit. So I would say, first of all, he wants us to investigate how that demarcation is itself constructed. Because we can think that science, that psychology is this separate thing. But you have to convince other people, these lay people, that they are lay people. That's quite a trick. Gergen is also saying the distinction between psychology and common sense is not always that clear, that there are elements of common sense in science, uh, in doing psychology. We talked about this 
briefly in our first talk when, when we spoke about replication. If you remember Sanjay Srivastava had said in replication there is always the question does the replicator right. have the expertise? Yeah. So yeah, the instructions, technical yeah. skills and common sense. Because obviously to do science you still need common sense, mm -hmm. right? If, if you do an experiment, uh, you're the experimenter, uh, you shouldn't hug your participants, you just don't. But it doesn't say anywhere, right. it's just common sense. And, and sometimes there can be like differences of opinion here. Mm -hmm. Sometimes somebody's common sense is a bit different from somebody else's common sense. There are elements of common sense in, in science. So by just emphasizing the distinction between psychology and common sense, we're ignoring the fact that that distinction is itself a construction, mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean that it is not a good construction, it's just a construction. And secondly, that there are elements of common sense in psychology. Something else that did not quite um, sit well with me. Um, they state that these studies are not extrapolating from one experiment to a natural setting. They are studying the setting itself. Their aim is to um, study social constructs and, and study it in a setting and be very ecologically valid, but they don't make an attempt to theorize, right? Uh, social constructionists such as uh, that Jonathan Potter, I think you're referring to him, rather than doing experiments in a laboratory, uh, in, in a, a separate artificial space, they like to study social processes where they happen, right? And, and so they'll do observations, for instance, or, or they'll conduct interviews with people. What Potter uh, will do, for instance, is to record people interacting and then analyze these interactions. And the result of that is not a theory in the same way as, let's say, mainstream psychologists will be testing theories in, in their laboratory experiments. Of course, social constructionists do interpret what is happening in these social interactions and to some extent they also claim that these interpretations can be generalized right so that if they say if they come up with a narrative about how people discuss immigrants so let's say a social a discourse ana analyst like Potter goes uh, to a bar and records the conversation between a group of people who are complaining about immigrants. It's a random example. Then they may do this in, in several spaces, several locations, several occasions, and he may try to say something more general about these sorts of processes, how people discuss immigration. And that narrative that they construct is not uh, a theory in the sense of this should be generalizable. Th th this um, doesn't formulate a law that things always happen like this, but that, uh, say, in our culture, in these circumstances, these uh, cultural and uh, historical circumstances, this is how people tend to talk about immigrants. Mm -hmm. So it's not that there is no theoretical content at all. There is, there is abstraction. I'm not sure how much I would trust this type of, of research. It, it, um, it seems unjustified. See, one thing I want to do differently next year uh, for this course is, is to give you an actual example 
of a social constructionist study because I think the discussion in the in the lecture was a, a bit too abstract. But if you look at actual examples of a social constructionist inquiry or a, a qualitative inquiry in more general, uh, you will see that, of course, the steps taken will always be argued for. You will find that there is a lot more justifying going on in that kind of study than there typically is in the ordinary quantitative study in psychology because there the procedures are much more standard and so you don't have to justify that you do an experiment you don't have to justify that you uh, uh, use a t-test usually because well you know everybody does that and because in a social constructionist inquiry the whole idea of, of standard procedures is frowned upon, um, you will find much more justification for the procedures that were actually followed. What bothers me with social constructivism is kind of that, if I understand it right, not all, all knowledge is socially constructed in a way. So everything we, we think we know is just a social construct and there's no objective outside knowledge which we try to arrive at with science. So in science I think we have the view that there's truth out there and we try to get closer to that somehow. We have an idea that there is some truth or there's an objective truth out there and we try with science to move closer to that so we mm. learn more about this truth and I think in social constructivism it's kind of like there's infinite ways of looking at the world but none is better than another so there's no point which we're moving to there's no truth that we kind of try to arrive at but it's just different ways of looking at things and I, I wonder if there's no no truth or no no point that we look at kind of where we move towards then there would be no movement whatsoever. So like if every knowledge, all knowledge we have is socially constructed, then there's no goal or no direction where the knowledge is moving. So um, there are a couple of issues in your question, things that you raise. For the first is, well, realism, I would say. Is there one reality and is our goal as, as scientists, as researchers, to uh, find that one reality, to come up with a theory that encaptures everything? That That's one issue. The other is, if you're a social constructionist and you say, well, there are different versions, different possible constructions, are these all equal? And the, the last issue I think that you raise is, if they're all equal, then there's no longer any impetus to go forward. I think that the third one is the easiest. I think Gergen uh, at least would say, uh, sure, we're not trying to find that one truth, but we are trying to alleviate suffering. We're trying to uh, enlighten people, give people insight. You know, there's a lot left to do if you give up the, the notion of one truth and, and one objective reality. So there would be plenty of impetus left. So, so there's, there's that. Uh, the second is, are all these different versions or these different constructions, are, are they equal? In the article that's in the syllabus by, by Gergen, there are a couple of places where he seems to imply that they're all equal. I think that's not true because we always make a distinction between stories, between narratives, between theories, because some of them we think are, are better constructed, are better argued for, have better material, are, are more interesting answer a more interesting question, are more useful. So there's also all sorts of criteria that we 
apply even if we don't apply the notion of that criterion of does it come closer to the truth but is it then kind of that the difference between science as it is and social constructivism that science tries to find this objective truth and social constructivism tries to move towards moral truth or moral goodness it feels like they both have some point where they're going to but social constructivism is more like let's move to what i call good Okay, so there, there are two sides to this, I think. So when social constructionism is discussed, suddenly this notion of truth and objectivity and, and uh, reality comes up. But one thing to note is that in the ordinary day-to-day -day practice of scientists, they don't actually speak about truth and objective reality all that often. It's not a thing that is constantly on their mind. These are not concepts that structure their discussions. Their discussions and, and their work is structured by much more practical issues rather than uh, large capital letter notions of, uh, of truth and objectivity. These are things that come up when either when philosophers are speaking or, or when scientists start to philosophize. But in their day-to-day -day work, these are not very important concepts. So that's, that's one thing. And the other, again, it's not, it's not that social constructionists don't have any criteria for, for what is good work. They tend to be very critical of each other's work as well. How does this goal of, in the end, doing good for people or liberation or however we call it, fit with the convenient way in which social constructionists object to any claims of of the existence of of inequality or injustice by saying that everything in the world is a social construction i'm just going to quote people aren't oppressed they just think they are i don't think anybody would put it as starkly as that but yes this has been uh, discussed with and by social constructionists a lot because the perspective of social construction you should always apply it reflexively as well right it goes for your own work as well and so then uh, people might say and people have said if you think everything is social construction socially constructed then uh, inequality uh, oppression or whatever uh, misogyny you, you name it it's also a social construction and the fact that you recognize it as such is itself a, a, a also a social construction and so while you're pretending to improve the situation you're actually shooting yourself in the foot because you can't point to any facts anymore and so there are a, a number of ways that social constructionists have reacted to this or, or tried to deal with this and one of them is to say well we'll just be strategic so some things will just accept as given and others will study how they are socially constructed. So if people say they are suffering, we will take that as a given. We're not going to deconstruct that or, or doubt that. Then we're going to see how this oppression comes to be. How do they determine what to take for given and what not? Because that seems convenient as well. Well, there is an element of convenience involved. Yeah? It's, it's saying, well, some things we'll just, we'll, we'll just assume or take as given. If they assume that someone is um, suffering, they're not going to question that because they want to help improve their lives? No, that, that would be one way of dealing with it. That problem uh, has led people away from social constructionism. So one alternative is, is what is called uh, critical realism, which is much more open to the idea of s some things are just objectively so, uh, and uh, it is our goal 
to improve these things and we can still look at social processes and social construction but uh, we're not going to let, let go of the notion of, of objective reality. Uh, thank you very much Martin, You're it was welcome. a pleasure. This podcast was a production of Mindwise for the Department of Psychology at the University of Groningen.